Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. So today we're going to talk about farm transition, and we can't believe this is a topic that we haven't covered yet because it is so critical to sustaining successful family farms. It's a lot more than just dividing land equally among the next generation. In fact, that can be one of the most detrimental actions you can take if you have an heir that wants to continue farming. OSU Extension and a few other organizations in private industry do hold workshops each year. And David Marison, who's joining us today, is a constant at those programs because he does such a fantastic job. Speaking from personal and professional experience, he's going to pare down what is usually a two-day program into 20 minutes today. But because that's a really short time, there's a webinar series that's beginning this month if you want more info, and we'll talk about that a little later. With all of that said, I'd like to introduce to you David Marison. So welcome, David. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, absolutely, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me on with you and Amanda. I am the County Extension Educator for Agriculture and Natural Resources in Coshocton County in East Central Ohio. Been here for two and a half years. Prior to that, I was a County Extension Educator up in Ashtabula County, far Northeast Ohio for just over 23 years. And that's where I was born and raised on a small dairy farm. And that is where I have a lot of my personal experiences on the hardships of farm successions and uh, just the horrible things and some of the, uh, just the challenges that it comes when transferring a farm from one generation to the next. Yeah, I know sometimes you've talked about these programs and you'll get people come from a couple counties over rather than attend in the county that they reside just because of some of those issues. And that's an unfortunate situation, but you know, this podcast and the webinar we mentioned will hopefully meet some of those needs as well. And you typically focus on kind of the business management scenarios that help farmers succeed into the next generation um, where like Peggy Hall or someone with private practice looks at the legal options. So we'll focus on that today. I think we want to start with the big picture questions. You know, what are the things farms need to think about first before even seeing an attorney to put their plan in place? And you're correct, Amanda. We like to speak to this transfer process as two processes. One on the side of farm transition, our succession planning. You'll hear those terms used interchangeably. And then you have the whole, the whole other side, which is the estate planning, which is the legal nuts and bolts of how you actually accomplish what you want to do when you transfer the business to the next generation. We know that there are some incredible estate planning tools that families can use as they're making their estate plan and transitioning the business to the next generation. Where we tend to really have a lot of missteps is in this area of farm succession, because we know that every farm family is different which means that just the conversations around who gets to run the farm in the future and just some of the, and I would say, to be honest, I believe all families have some sort of dysfunctionality and that dysfunctionality usually plays its part when we're talking about farm succession. So where we start off, and I'd like to just put these in question formats. And the first question we'll ask farm families is, what do you, what do you want to happen to the farm in the future? Now that seems kind of common sense, right? But depending on the family structure, there may be some different things that can happen to the farm in the future. For instance, maybe the family 
uh, the desire and what will happen ultimately is that you pass on the farm as a farming business to children or our heirs. Now, when I say our heirs, sometimes we may not pass the farm on to our blood relatives. Um, most generally, that would be our children. Sometimes it may be an heir, someone who runs a farm that's completely outside of our family. Or maybe we will want to pass our business on as a business just to somebody else, that non-blood relative again. And we think about this in all sorts of businesses that change hands um, as one generation exits and retires. You think of a plumbing business or an insurance business or maybe an attorney's office where when that principal operator is ready to retire, then they will just transfer that business to somebody else to move forward in the future. You know, maybe another, um, maybe another objective would be the family says there are no heirs that are going to continue the farm. So we just sell the business as a business, just kind of like the plumbing or the, the, the lawyer's office. And maybe we pass instead of the children are going to run the farm in the future, maybe we pass the farm on to the children as an asset. And as asset managers, they become landlords. And as landlords, then they will ultimately then rent that ground out to other folks who will then farm it. And maybe I just like, I don't want to do any decide. I don't want to decide this all. I'm just going to let my heirs decide what to, what to do with the farm when I'm gone. Or maybe we'll, sell, we'll just sell the farm before we pass away. And then those proceeds will be distributed to my heirs in a variety of manners. So the first question, do I want... And do I desire the farm to be passed on as a functioning business or a set of assets, bottom line? And which way you go will ultimately determine how you train up the next generation to operate or manage that business in the future, whether a landlord or whether as an owner operator. All right, David, that sounds like a really great starting point. So once a family answers that question, you know, what sorts of questions do they need to start asking next? When I, the very first question is, do your heirs want to operate it? And if they do want to operate it, then you start to look and to see if, is this a viable business for the, for the next generation to take over? A lot of the times in farm succession planning, we're looking to bring and merge two generations together. And if we're going to merge two generations together where they'll work side by side for a period of years, the first thing that we have to answer is, is the business large enough and profitable enough, or does it have the potential to support multiple families? And if you can answer yes to that, then you move on to the next um, phase, which is to incorporate the younger generation into the operation and move forward um, with just basically training them up how to operate that farm once you're gone. Now, there's a lot of varieties of tools that we can use. We can use um, looking at yearly balance sheets. Uh, we would encourage you from OSU Extension side, um, our FinPAC analysis team is amazing. And they can help you look at all sorts of um, the balance sheets, cash flows. And if you're looking at maybe I need to do something different or expand, they can look at that um, going forward as far as if we're going to expand, um, will it be profitable enough for us to do that? And we would encourage you to look at doing a SWOT analysis. And then we talk about a SWOT analysis all the times about the strengths weaknesses, the opportunities, and the threats of the operation. And this would be a whole, whole farm analysis. So every sector of our business, whether that be the financial side, whether that be the machinery equipment side, whether that's our employee management side, or our crop or livestock production side, what are the strengths of each of those? 
what are we going to capitalize on? What are the weaknesses that we need to overcome? And the strengths and weaknesses are usually internal to the organization. Looking external, there's going to be opportunities and threats that we need to look at. What are some threats of our operation in the future? Or maybe is there an opportunity of a way that um, we could expand our business? So I think of one far family farm up in Ashtabula County that I worked with for years. The opportunity was um, they wanted to have multiple generations in the farm family, but it was a small dairy farm. Small dairy farm, and you, you can think they're making 250 to $500 per cow per year. And that's basically enough on a 50 cow dairy. They were a one person operation. But in order to bring back the son and the daughter-in-law, they looked in an opportunity. And that opportunity was, uh, was the daughter-in-law was an, an incredible cheesemaker. So she took an OSU cheese making class. And then by the next spring, they were up and running with an on-farm creamery. So they were able to maintain the size of the herd that they had but in order to add the income stream to have the next generation join the farm, they were able to add the creamery into the mix to, to get enough income for both generations. So I think what we see on a lot of farms are the son or daughter comes back to the farm without any recognition that we need to make enough money for both generations. And there's only so much free gas, free babysitting, um, the free old call cow that I put into my freezer um, that might make that younger generation happy. They, they need to have income so they can support their family living expenses. And if you don't do a, a good analysis on the front side to make sure there's enough money for that, uh, you could run in trouble in the future. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, I read an article a few weeks ago about how the last de decade was kind of the decade of side hustles. It seems like everyone has a side hustle. <laughs> that's and, right. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of what I've noticed with, um, you know, the younger generation too, is they're not looking at just what the operation has done traditionally, whether it's livestock or crops, but maybe some specialty crops or specialty products that um, have a value added component to them. So because land, I think, is what's driving that a lot of times too is it's so expensive and it's hard to expand that way anymore. And it's amazing how some side hustles can really become a major part of that farm's cash flow, uh, mainly because sometimes our side hustles, we're working in an area that we, we really, really enjoy. So we're really going to put our efforts into it. Um, you can just think of the family farm that I mentioned. Her passion was cheese. Her husband's passion was the cows. Here was a perfect opportunity for them to transition from their parents into their generation and have a husband and wife work in harmony and concert by capitalizing on the strengths that they had. So that's why this SWOT analysis is really important, even like taking a SWOT analysis on each member of the operation. What strengths do we bring? What weaknesses do we have to overcome? And are there some hidden talents that we have that might are our side hustle. I love how you say that, Amanda, that side hustle that brings more income back into the farm, farm family. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point about, you know, usually having a passion for that. And 
Um, you mentioned the farm business analysis, and we did do a podcast on that. It's episode 22, if folks want to listen back. And let's move on to communication and maybe developing the next generation. So how do we gain some better understanding of how we should treat the farm as a business and develop those communication skills and management skills? Man, I think this is the 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 biggest difficulty we have in farm succession in, in family any times families are working together because of that whole dynamic of being family members but also being business members and which hat do we have on and you know granted most of us as farmers are not known for our communication skills so sometimes communicating especially between generations can be a, a big big stress point on the farm family so some of those things that we would suggest, and number one, if you can't address an issue unless that you clearly identify it. So part of what we do in our farm succession workshops are to look at what are the communication barriers that we have in our family? Is it a generational thing or is it a male-female type of communication issue? Or is there just some areas of the farm that are communicated about for instance, on a lot of farms, we communicate really, really good about how to feed the cows, how to work the crops, how to spray the crops, what crops select, you know, corn hybrids to choose. But when it comes down to financial, maybe one person in the whole family even knows about the entire financial situation. So looking at what are the communication issues and looking at sometimes those are driven really closely to the things that are stressing us in our lives. So are you identifying the stressors that are out there? And then do you put a plan in place to overcome some of those barriers that you have with communication? So if that communication is poor, then let's look at ways that, let's say, for instance, it's between generations. Grandpa doesn't know how to deal with the grandson. He doesn't know how, we, we say a lot of negative things about millennials, right? Because a baby boomer or Gen Xer just gets frustrated from a, from a, from a millennial. Well, maybe it is as a farm business, we just need to learn how how millennials interact with their world world around them versus maybe a boomer or a Gen Xer. So maybe as part of our farm business meetings, which we would encourage you to have farm business meetings, are you doing some self-education to be able to overcome some of those communication hurdles that you might have in your in your business? So let's look at retirement. And you know, this is something that I got a really unique look at. I was able to go down to the International Farm Management Congress in Tasmania, and I talked to three different farms down there. And I think all three of them, the older generation had retired at like 60-ish normal retirement age for non-farm families here in the U.S. and passed it on to their heirs. And they were still active in the farm, but the next generation was making those calls. Um, The one farm even had a retirement party and said, on Monday, call my son because he's in charge now. And I just thought that was so different than what we see a lot here in Ohio and the U.S. And um, it can have a big impact on the success of the next generation, too. Yeah, and retirement is one of those one of those things we just don't talk about, right? Because farmers are going to work forever. We were made to work as humans. We were made to work, and farmers love to work. 
And I think most don't ever really want to retire because a lot of our identity as farmers is tied into working, to work in that farm. And we're in a situation now where with the, the, the how long Americans are living, we could be in a potential place where we could have three generations working on the farm, or we could have one generation working on the farm, supporting two generations before them that are retired. So just having the conversation about retirement, we know that farmers are good tax mitigators, which means they probably don't pay a lot into social security tax, into self-employment tax, because they've done such a great job at the end of each year, avoiding taxes, which may impact their social security retirements. And usually as we look at social security, social security could be, if we were average, cover about 65% of our living expenses on a family farm. If we are just living average, on the average, if we live in average, social security would cover about 65% of that. So as we look at, we wanna retire, the senior generation wants to retire, and social security might not be the complete answer to our retirement needs, especially if we wanna travel, then how are we gonna supplement that? Well, for a lot of farms, that means that uh, the son or the daughter or the grandson or the granddaughter who stays behind on the farm, uh, they may be supplementing the retirement through a rent check, a retirement check. I mean, no, that's what happened with my father, with my, with my grandfather. Or have we done some plan and purpose along the way where we have strong 401ks or different retirement plans in place for the family? Or maybe we said, you know, we bought that land years ago and we're going to use that as part of the retirement needs. So just having that conversation on how you're going to retire. And I think that the conversation on top of that, that's even probably more gut-wrenching is, how are we gonna make sure that we have adequate health insurance coverage when we go into our retirement years as well? Just because you retire doesn't mean you have to stop working. Um, it, I think it's important for, people to enjoy um, the hard work that they've put in. And so you step back and maybe become a farm employee and continue working that way. Um, and then get a salary, show up for work, clock in, whatever that mm -hmm. might be, but let the next generation make those stressful decisions. And it, you know, it, it takes quite a bit for someone who's been in control for many years of their lives to be able to step back. But that, if you wanna give a gift to your farming heirs, that is one great gift that you can give them to be able to take a step back and to be in an advisory role for a few years on the side and just helping them, helping that next generation get up to speed and help them through the questions that they might have. That would be a great thing to do. And starting that transition early can really help set you up for the next topic that we're wanting to touch on, which is, you know, when unexpected events happen and how you can be prepared for that. So, David, how how do you recommend going about making sure your transition plan has you ready for for a situation that you might not be looking forward to? Yeah, I'm like a fatalist, right? I think when I'm having my tractor time, I think of everything that could absolutely go wrong. And you talk about the transition. I always say that this transition should be like a seven-year process from the time where you think like, we're going to start to transition this. This is not the worst thing that can happen to a farm is that the farm transitions overnight from one generation to the next. And when I say overnight, I mean, someone dies, 
and the next day they're not there and the next generation that is their first full day of being in charge so if you're going to set it up right this should be a process that process that could take five years seven years ten years but you have that process to um to move that control from one generation to the next because i think and we challenge you to think about the different things that can happen that can derail a good transition plan or a state plan. Think about death, think about disability. We're a, we're a hazardous occupation in farming, so there could be disabilities. We know that 40% of all marriages um, in the state of Ohio end in success, which means 60% are going to end up in divorce. So what happens when the divorce occurs in, in some of the operate in, into the lives of an operator of the farm and then after a divorce usually comes a second or third marriage and then how does those um, those next marriages how did they have an impact on the business mentioned about uh, medical concerns with having insurance well what happens if one of the one of the members of the family goes into the nursing home and we know that can be an incredible drain on the farm's assets if you're paying for a, a nursing home stay. And then you think about well, what happens one day, um, my brother who I've been farming with for years walks in the door and says, you know, I'm out, I wanna retire. I heard Amanda and I wanna retire at the age of 60. Now I'm out, I want you to buy me out. And do you have enough income to be able to do that? And then um, what happens when you have two brothers that farm together and they're set up in an LLC and then one generation forward, now instead of two brothers working side by side or two siblings working side by side, now we have 16 grandkids, all who are members of the LLC and one of those grandchildren is trying to operate under the support of those other 16 members of that LLC. So there's a lot of, and one thing that I have on my list that who would ever, I always put global issues up on the, on the, on the screen when we talk about the unexpected. Well, who, 2020, great example of a global issue that could impact agriculture. Uh, we're still feeling those effects even to this day, but how do you, how, how can you be prepared for the, what I would say, oh crap moments or the unexpected? Um, and just think about that. How, how, how would you deal with those? Um, 2020 has given us a great opportunity to learn on how we, how resilient we are if if crazy things go on around us. Um, so we're about out of time. There's a lot more that goes into this. I think one of those is fair versus equal. And that's something that you guys typically push in these. Fair is does not necessarily mean that it's equal or vice versa. We don't really have time to get into it, but maybe give us a little bit of a teaser for that and some other things that we might hear on the upcoming webinar. And on the upcoming webinar, Amanda, we, we, we go into the, what is fair versus equal? They are not the same things, especially when it comes to, to the farm situation. How can you be, if your goal is the farm to go to the next generation, it means it's probably not going to be equal when you divvy up the assets. And I'd also challenge farm managers to think about how do you quantify the sweat equity of the son or daughter who stayed on the farm? And then are you as managers asking the off-farm heirs about their inheritance expectations? And are you setting the stage for success for the, the operator that's going to follow you? 
are you going to leave a train wreck of broken promises and emotional baggage that the farming heir is going to have to deal with with siblings and other heirs in the future so you can do a lot of those things you can do a lot of things to set your business up for success based on what you do today and i would say you don't know on the tape measure of life where you're at so how many days do you have to do this we would encourage you to get it done now and that's why we would say if you have a chance and you want to join us for our three-part series on farm succession planning, we would encourage you. We're having an upcoming program February 15th, February 22nd, and March 1st. Those are evening workshops. Um, they're virtual, which means that mom and dad and son and daughter, regardless of where you live in Ohio or across the country, you can all jump on the same webinar, hear the same message, and start talking about the transition of your farm. And if you're interested in that, there's a $40 per farm fee. So it doesn't matter if you have one person on the webinar or 20 on the webinar, there's a $40 fee per family. And if you just go to go.osu.edu forward slash farm succession, you'll find out the details about that program. So again, that's go.osu.edu forward slash farm succession. We will be sure to drop that link in the description so you can just click on it. And thank you so much for joining us today, David. This is incredibly valuable information. And hopefully some of our listeners today learned a little bit and hopefully a lot of them join you for your program coming up in just about a week. Thanks for having me on today. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.